Good morning, everybody. All right. For those 25 of you of my best friends this morning who made it to church and the rest of you who are also my best friends watching from the comfort of your own home, my name is Pastor Matt. I am the next-gen pastor here at New Life, and I'm excited that I get to, um, to continue our series on the book of Proverbs. Uh, last week, we heard from Pastor Rich. He gave this sermon about what it means to be wise in conflict. And today, we're going to talk about a cousin of conflict, um, but something where even if you do it well or, or poorly, can also cause conflict in our lives, and that is correction. That is correction. How can we be wise when it comes to giving and receiving correction? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this wonderful snowy day that we can gather in your name uh, thank you that your name knows no boundaries, no weather, that we can, we can get together and worship you no matter what's going on outside. And so, God, I pray now as we look to your word that it would find our hearts ready to receive it, that you would correct the things in us that need correction. I pray that we would be responsive to how you're leading us today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and everybody says with me, amen. I want to start off today by making a really obvious statement. And it's simply this, correction is an everyday, regular part of our lives. There is not a place that you go where you will not encounter some kind of corrective measure. I'll give you an example. If you're, let's say, for those of you who drive, you are driving down Queens Boulevard. Most of us are doing the speed limit. Some of us maybe go just a little bit too fast. And you all of a sudden are keenly aware that up ahead, maybe a block, maybe two, there is a wonderful speed camera that will, that will help you to slow down before you get to it. But if you happen to forget that it's there, it'll take a picture and about a week later you'll get a nice a ticket in the mail, a reminder that you needed to slow down. That is a corrective measure. If you're driving and you decide to run a red light. There's also cameras there. It seems like there's cameras watching us everywhere. Hello to the cameras in the room. Like, always being watched by something. i never forget the day that I, I came home from work and my mom came up to me and she said, did you run a, did you run a red light in my car? And of, of course, I was like, no, Ma, I would never run a red light. And my mother handed me an envelope and I opened it up and sure enough, there was a picture of her car going through a red light. I was, I was tempted. I, was te I knew it was me, but I was tempted to lie. And say, that, Mom, this wasn't me. I think this was you. And then when I looked at the picture, my friends were hanging out the windows of the car. I paid the ticket. <laughs> but let's say you're writing, what about if you're writing a paper or an email and you misspell a word? There are those wonderful dotted lines that appear under the word to what? To correct the spelling mistake that you just made. But the place that I encounter correction, I mean constantly all the time, and it's a little bit irritating and aggravating, is on my phone. Maybe you know this feeling. You're typing a message. Maybe you're going too fast. Maybe you're going at a decent speed. But every single word that you type is being auto-corrected. Everything. You know, maybe I want to put a little slang in my text message and not have it sound so proper. It's not my fault that my phone doesn't speak New York. Like, why is it always constantly correcting me? Now, all that's all well and good and fine, but there's also a much more difficult type of, type of correction that we face in our lives. And that's the correction that happens between us and the people in our lives. If you're a parent, maybe it's the, the corrective conversations you need to have with your children. 
Or maybe it's between yourself and, and a colleague at work or a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend that's in need of correction. The truth is that's the type of correction that so many of us have such a difficult time with. Because it's hard when someone that you know comes to you and says, you're wrong. Can you just, I just want to take a quick non-scientific poll. How many of you enjoy, and you can put it's me in the chat if this is you. How many of you enjoy hearing that you're wrong? How many of you enjoy being corrected? Let the record show that no one has raised their hand. So people in the front, you don't have to turn around and look. Nobody back there raised their hand. We're good. People online, somebody tell me if somebody put something in the chat. Um, but this is the thing. We don't enjoy being corrected. It's not a fun, enjoyable, or pleasant experience. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I can't wait for somebody to correct me today. Nobody does that. But here's the thing. Even though we have a hard time with it, there's a truth that the way we handle correction is a good indicator of our level of maturity. The way we handle correction is a good indicator of our level of maturity. And there's a question that I want to pose to you today. I want you to keep this question in your mind as we talk today, as we go through this. And this is the question. When I get corrected, when I'm corrected, how offended do I get? When I'm corrected, how offended do I get? When I'm instructed, when somebody gives me a suggestion, how, what's my level of offense? And the book of Proverbs has a lot to teach us about correction. I mean, you might even say if you look at the entire, all the wisdom literature and really the entirety of scripture, it serves as a corrective lens, hopefully a proactive one and not a reactive one, against foolishness of all kinds. The, the Bible is pointing us towards wisdom and away from foolishness. And that it, it can come in any area of our lives. Maybe it's at work or with family, with our finances, in confrontation with others, with the words that we use, and even in correction. And today I want to look at one proverb that in some ways it serves as a summary to the overall approach and attitude that the rest of the book and the rest of the scripture takes when it comes to correction. And that's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. It's really simple, but I think we're going to learn a lot from it. To learn... You must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. Now, when I was preparing this message this week, I, the thing that brought me the most joy was being able to say the word stupid in church and not get in trouble for it. Because in my household growing up, it was not okay to say that word. And yet mom and dad, here it is right in the Bible. It's stupid to hate correction. When I read this, to me, this sounds a lot like one of those biblical mic drops. Like Solomon writes something, he's just like, boom, I'm done take it. You can't say anything about it. You can't argue against it. But make no mistake, just because this is a simple statement, it doesn't mean that we can't learn a whole lot from just these few words. There is a lot to unpack and there's a lot to learn about correction. And the first thing is this. <clears throat> Learning comes from a love for discipline. Learning comes from a love for discipline. Now, this is not the discipline that you need to eat healthy every day. It's not the discipline you need to use your exercise bike instead of using it as like a clothing rack, but to actually get on and ride it. It's not that kind of discipline. It's actually the kind of discipline that we need is in the sense of instruction. Discipline here equals instruction. And the word is saying that if you want to learn, you have to love instruction. 
Now, when we love something, there's a, it's just a reality that it usually means that we're open to it. Like we're open to the possibility of whatever this thing is. It means that even, we'll even go so far as to pursue it. Like you will go after things that you love. The word is encouraging us to take that same approach when it comes to being instructed or corrected. To learn to love it in the sense of being open to it when it comes our way or even going to pursue it, looking out for it and trying to add it to our lives. And this can come from any number of sources, places, people. It can be a mentor. It can be a parent, a boss. It can be your friends, siblings, your pastor or small group leader or even your doctor. So you can tell how wise someone is by how willing they are to respond to correction. You can, you can look at the way somebody responds to correction and it will tell you, are they a wise person or are they something else? See, because here's the thing. Wisdom is not just about knowing something. Wisdom is about doing something with what you know. It's not enough to just know. What makes you wise is doing something with what you know. And Proverbs chapter, Proverbs chapter 9 paints a picture of someone who is wise in the way that they receive instruction and someone who is not. Proverbs 9, 7 to 9 says, Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. In the book of Proverbs, the mocker is the cousin of the fool. They usually are people who are wise in their own eyes. Maybe a bit of a know-it-all. How many of you know a know-it-all? Now, my name is Matthew and you can all raise your hand because you know me. I am, a, I am a recovering, constantly in recovery know-it-all. If my wife will tell you that I am constantly trying to find ways to correct things that are going on in my household from the way that people use grammar, except me, of course, um, to everything, I always have something to say. But this is the kind of person who will often respond to correction with insults or name-calling, maybe, maybe slander or even outright lies and defensiveness. They just don't want to hear it. On the flip side, the wise will respond with, it says, with gratitude because they know that, cor that correction adds to wisdom, even if it's not always the most pleasant experience. Notice this doesn't say, oh, like they, they, they love the, the process of being corrected. No, no, it's sometimes it's just still going to be painful, but it doesn't mean it's not good for you. They're willing to push through the discomfort to get to the good on the other side. See, this, there's another thing we have to understand about instruction, the way that Solomon is writing. See, in this time, he's not, we, this is not a world where you can Google something or look it up on YouTube or figure out the moves on TikTok or whatever it is. You had to, if you wanted to know something, if you needed to learn something, if you needed to be corrected, it usually had to happen in the context of a relationship with somebody else. You had to have a relationship with someone else in order to bring this type of correction into your lives. And the truth of the matter is, in our world, we go, a lot of people go to those places in terms of social media and the internet and all that. It's an echo chamber. You end up in a place where all you're doing is finding things that confirm the ideas that you already had. It's not actually correcting anything. 
What we really need in order to do correction well is fa- it's found in the context of the relationships that we have with the people around us. To do correction well, we need to be in relationship. So if you can or if you want to, I'd love for you to write this down. If you don't want to write it with a pen and paper, put it in your phone. If you're on the computer, just type it in the chat. That counts as writing it. Maybe take a picture of it so you can keep it forever. Um, But this is what kind of the central point that we're going to talk about today. And it's simply this. We have to put connection before correction. We have to put connection before correction. A few weeks ago, my wife and I had the the privilege and the pleasure of sitting with the head of our marriage ministry here at New Life. His name is Kelly Eng. If you've never talked to Kelly, met Kelly, you need to. He is one of the true treasures of New Life. I love Kelly. Love that guy. And a few weeks ago, uh, my wife and I were sitting down and Kelly was meeting with us because for us, it's been really important and a, a gift to have somebody just walking with us in our marriage. Like to have somebody coaching us, guiding us along the way, giving us advice and providing correction when when we need it. And in this particular conversation, like I was trying to make a decision about whether or not I should attend a conference, um, take a few days to go someplace else in order to do it. And it would mean that this is the first time I would be leaving my wife and my 15-month-old son. And like, so he's a, I guess, technically a pandemic baby. I have no idea. I've never spent more than a few hours away from him. And she's been home a lot. And so this is like a big thing for me. I'm trying to figure out what to do when I was stuck. I didn't know how to make the choice. And in the middle of this conversation, Kelly starts doing something that is so valuable. He starts asking questions. He starts asking questions and then waiting for us to actually answer the questions that he's answering, that he's asking. And then he he told us that the best thing to do was for us to talk to each other. Because what I was looking for in that conversation was for Kelly to decide for me. (laughs) Kelly, please tell me that it's okay or not okay so I don't have to think about this anymore. And in fact, he he gave us something so much better. He pointed us towards each other so that we could talk about the feelings that we had underneath the facts and the details of the conversation. Because what that freed us up to do was actually address what needed to be addressed. It had nothing to do with going to a conference and it had everything to do with expectations that I was placing on my wife that she never agreed to and never wanted. We never would have found that out had we not taken some time in that moment to connect with each other. We have to put connection before correction. So maybe it doesn't look that way. Like maybe it's not between you and a spouse, but my question for you is this. Has anyone ever taken the time to connect with you before they spoke in a word of correction? Like before somebody came up to you and was like, you're wrong. They, were, they said, okay, can you tell me about why you did that? Can you help me understand, like, what was going on in your head? But tone matters, because it's not like, what was going on in your head? Like, that's not how you say that. <laughs> but has someone ever given you the gift of connecting with you before they simply pointed out a particular way that you were wrong? Before we connect, before we correct, excuse me, we've got to connect. Connection helps us understand what needs to be addressed by putting us in touch with the person we're addressing and not just their actions. But understand, it's not always possible to have deep relationships with the people that we need to to correct. But it is always possible to take some time to understand them first. The most effective correction happens 
when the other person knows from experience that we love them. But this also means something else, and I hope I can free somebody today. Here it is. You ready? This, if, if, we're, if the point is to connect before we correct, it means that we can stop screaming at strangers on the internet. It means that we can stop beefing with people in the comment section of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, so on and so on and so on. No one's mind has ever been changed because you're yelling at them in a comment section. Because you're trying to correct their, their thinking in a comment section. It's a waste of your time and your energy. The best, the best gift that you can give somebody is to find somebody. You want to talk about that thing they posted? Find somebody you know and have a conversation. Connect with somebody in a meaningful way to understand what's going on so we can offer the right type of, of correction. And so the question is, how can we do this well? How do we do correction well? And there are two sides when it comes to this. There's the giving and the receiving. And if you're anything like me, it's much easier to give correction than it is to receive it. And it's even easier than that to avoid it altogether. To pretend like I didn't see what I just saw or hear what I just heard. A few years ago, I was taking a class here at New Life with Jerry Scazzaro, who's one of the founders of our church. Uh, we were taking the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, and she was my table leader, which meant that that was a very intense eight weeks. Uh, but, and Jerry has this way of asking questions that force you to get beneath the surface. Like if, you, if she says, how are you doing, and you say good, that's not good enough. And so you're going to have to go a little, you have to give me more. What does good mean? Why are you good? Where did the good come from? Like what are its origins? Where is it in your family of origin? And this just goes on and on and on. But in the course of this conversation, she's asking me all these really great questions. And I, I, I was forced to admit something that I had never admitted before, and it was this. I often hide behind this mask of self-awareness because what I want to do is I want to correct myself so that nobody else ever has a chance to correct me. I want to figure out what's wrong with me so that no one else can tell me that there's something wrong with me because if somebody can say there's something wrong with me, it's bad and it's painful because I have a deep need to be right. Correction can be really painful. But the other thing that does is it forces, like it forces you to shut down. All of a sudden, I felt like in my own life, I find myself avoiding speaking up in meetings. Like I'm, I'm sitting around, we're having a great conversation, I have an idea about, and I won't share that idea because I don't want to be wrong. I don't want somebody to speak a word of correction in my life. See, we all have our reasons that we want to avoid being corrected. And for some, it's insecurity. And for others, it's just, I don't want to deal with the, the hit to my pride and my ego. But for still others, it's a trigger. It brings up bad memories and bad feelings of times where maybe you were in relationship with somebody who was constantly, nonstop correcting you over every little thing. See, when correction is done poorly, it leaves people feeling belittled and small, devalued and unimportant. And this is not the point of correction in the new family of Jesus. In order to do correction well, there's a few things that, that I want us to keep in mind today. And the first one is this. It's better to receive than to give. It's the opposite of Christmas. At Christmas, they tell you, oh, it's better to give than receive. When it comes to correction, it's better to receive than to give. If you read through the Proverbs, if you read through all of Scripture time and time again, we read of the blessing that comes into the life of the person who, who hears correction and then heeds correction. 
It's not to say that the op, like, if you are the one doing the correcting, nothing good will happen to you. The Bible is just far more silent on it. If you, can, if you want to count, read through the whole Bible. I dare you. Read through the whole Bible this week. Just do it. Whole Bible and count the times that it says that blessed is the one who receives correction and changes. I'll give you a few examples from the book of Proverbs right now. Proverbs 10.17. People who listen when they are corrected will live. But those who will not admit that they are wrong are in danger. Proverbs 13, 18, whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. Proverbs 15, 31, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. But understand this, just because the Bible talks about receiving correction more, it doesn't mean that we should shy away from giving correction. It doesn't mean that we should wake up in the morning and be like, all right, let me find somebody to correct me today so I can be blessed. No, that's not what it's, what it's saying at all. Instead, what we can do is take an invitation from God to live open to correction that he brings into our lives through his word and through his people. One of the greatest acts of love that you can show to another person is to bring correction into their life. Don't shy away from giving it, but understand that it's better to receive. The second thing is this, pay attention to our defensiveness. Last week we heard about the role of humility in resolving conflict. And humility plays a huge role in, 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 resol- in, in resolving conflict, but it also plays a huge role in receiving correction. Our response to correction is revealing of our level of wisdom. I asked this question earlier, and I just want to bring it to you again. How offended do you get when you're faced with correction? How about this? Somebody, somebody comes to you and they want to correct you. How many of you have ever done this? Well, what about you? Right? Like that is the, put your, put your shield down. It's okay to put your shield down. Or maybe, that, maybe you're not a how about you person, but maybe, you're this, maybe you've done this before too. I know I certainly have done both of these things. Um, somebody corrects you and you say, you know, I was thinking about that too. No, you weren't. If you were, you would have done it. You weren't thinking about it at all. But we lie sometimes to cover over the pain and the difficulty and the struggle that we have with hearing correction. We need to put away our defensiveness and be open to what's being spoken to us. Because these words have the possibility in them to lead us to greater wisdom. Number three is this. Listen to God's direction. God will often speak to us through his people And there are times when a word of correction from someone is God's way of communicating to us that we're on the wrong path, we're headed in the wrong direction. You always know that a word of correction is from God because it points you back to him. You know that a word is from God when it points you back to him. He will never bring correction into your life that points you in the opposite direction. Now, if we choose to run away, that's on us, but it has nothing to do with the words that God has spoken to us. And the fourth thing is this. Remember that correction is a gift. Correction is a gift. Proverbs 15.32 says, You hurt only yourself by rejecting instruction, but it makes good sense to accept it. Showing respect to the Lord will make you wise, and being humble will bring honor to you. See, the gift that correction brings is wisdom. And after all, wisdom is not just knowing something, it's doing something with what we've learned. 
Embracing correction allows us to grow in wisdom, but it's not only a gift for us. Like, it's not the kind of thing where, oh, I get this and I benefit from it, but so does everyone around you. Because when people see a change, when they see you, when, they, when, when you've been corrected and they see you moving different, operating different, thinking different, talking different, they're going to probably follow suit. All of a sudden, someone who was headed down the same road as you were is no longer heading down that road because they see the shift and the change that the correction has brought into your life. There is so much more at stake in our humility than we realize sometimes. So when it comes to receiving correction, where are you sensing an opportunity or an invitation to grow? I'm going to put these things up again at the end so that we can see them all together, but there's probably maybe one or two of these that, that you want to commit to, that you want to focus on as you think about receiving correction. Because it's difficult. It takes a lot, of, a lot of inner work, a lot of inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives to convict us and show us the areas that we need to grow in. But there's more to correction than receiving it. Because we also have to learn to give it well. If you want to give correction well, here's a couple of things for you. Uh, the first thing is this, ask questions, then listen. See, it, it's easy to see someone doing something or hear them saying something and res just respond right away with whatever word of correction it is that we think they need. But before we speak, it's always better to make sure we have all the facts. It's better to ask questions, not to interrogate, not to trap them, not to trick them into saying something, but to understand what's going on that we can't see. You know, I'm a, as a parent, this is something I'm reminded of all the time. My, my son is a toddler, um, and he's discovered tantrums this week. It's probably the least fun thing that he does. And while he's 15 months old, he can't exactly come up to me and be like, hey, Dad, I'm hungry. I do look forward to that day. <laughs> he's always communicating in some way or another. I just have to learn to listen. I have to learn to listen in the way that he's communicating so that I can give him what he needs and not just shut down his crying or just address his behavior, but get to what's underneath of it. And if I can do that with a 15-month-old, imagine how much different my relationships would be with other people if I was doing that with my friends, with my parents, with my spouse, if, I'm, if this is just bleeding into every area of my life. If I'm taking the time out to ask questions and then understand that's the whole idea of connection before correction. The second thing is be gracious, but tell the truth. Where correction is needed, truth is required, but so is grace. We can't just be cutting with our words and say things as bluntly as possible to everybody. Sometimes the truth hurts, but it should only hurt because of the conviction that it brings and not the words, the tone, and the attitude that we put behind them. This is wisdom. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. This means that we can humbly share what we see, understanding that we don't see everything. Humility is the key to a gentle word that doesn't water down the truth. And here's the third thing. Correction and suggestion. See, we can point out what's wrong. That's easy. I can tell you that's wrong, that's wrong, she's wrong, he's wrong. Like, no problem. But that's not enough. It's a, what we need to do is point out what's wrong 
and point to something better. The better that you can always point to in someone else's life is Jesus. Anytime you speak a word of correction into someone's life, you can always point them to Jesus, knowing, trusting, and believing that you're pointing them to the absolute best thing that they could ever be pointed towards. And so as we think about and look at all these things, um, you can put that up on the screen. Where do you need to grow? Where's the invitation for you? Because none of us are, none of us are like always fantastic and amazing at everything. There's an invitation, I would be willing to say there's an invitation in here for, for some of us, for all of us, to do one of these things, to focus on them, to pay attention to them. Because the point of correction is not to just make sure that we're right and someone else is wrong. It's to make sure that people are being pointed at Jesus. It's to make sure that people have an opportunity to see Christ. And so wherever you find yourself on the correction spectrum, whether it's giving or receiving, any correction that we bring into the life of someone else should point them back to Christ. I'm going to call the worship team to come forward. And Eugene Peterson said it this way. When we sin and mess up our lives, we find that God doesn't go off and leave us. He enters into our trouble and saves us. Friends, we are the beneficiaries of God's correction through the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus. So what would it look like for you to lovingly embrace correction for someone, from, from someone else? What would it mean to offer up words of correction to someone in a way that reflects Jesus? What would it mean to do this in a way that points people to him? See, correction is always going to be part of our lives. It's unavoidable. We can't get around it, but it doesn't mean that we can always just foolishly stumble through it. We don't have to do that anymore. God in his, in his grace has given us his word. He's given us his instruction. He's, he's given us this, this beautiful gift of correction so that when we offer this to other people, it points back to him. May we learn from his loving example May we learn to connect before we correct. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for the great gift of your correction. For the way that you have made us right with you. God, I pray that we would offer, we would offer correction to others in a way that points them at you. In a way that helps them see your, your loving kindness. Might we be examples of what that looks like in this world. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together in response. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is salvation whom shall I fear whom shall I be afraid I will wait on you I will wait on you I will trust in you I will trust in you 
Pastor Matt, as he uh, blessed us today, show him some love in the chat section as well, as I'm sure he'll check that out. Could you imagine what our relationships would be like if we did not resist correction? Could you, could you imagine the joy, the peace that whenever you corrected someone, they said, oh, thank you. Or, or tell me more. Or you know what? I didn't know that. And then you responded in the same way. Oh, thank you. 
tell me more. I, I mean, could you imagine our churches if we did not resist correction? Our schools if we did not resist correction? Our nation if we did? I mean, this here is the secret sauce to world peace, brothers and sisters here. To say yes, to embrace it, to give it wisely, to receive it with great grace. And you know what? In order to do this, it requires us to be so secure in the love of God. Secure in the love of God. And it also requires us to embrace our humanity. To embrace our humanity. So much of our shame of being corrected, when, when we get corrected, shame often comes up. And so much of the shame that emerges comes from our refusal to be human. Uh, we, we, we forget that to be human is to make mistakes. To be human is to have blind spots. To be human is not to know all the answers. And so, so much of our shame emerges because we have refused to be human beings. I never forgot, I mean, I, I preached a message along these lines here maybe some six, seven years ago. And right after I gave the message, William Baranuevo, hopefully William, you're watching on Facebook. If you are, I love you and I hope to see you soon. William usually off, often sits in the front row. And after I give a message, he always has a comment. And I'm just like, oh, what's William going to say now? And William gets up and he says, you know what? Being part of AA meetings and NA meetings, I learned an acronym for shame. And he shared it with me that day and I never forgot it. He said, shame is, can be understood as still haven't already mastered everything still haven't already mastered everything. In other words, shame often comes because I don't allow myself to be human. And the fact is, we're human. We are always going to make mistakes. Could you imagine the freedom that can come if we allowed ourselves to be human and to root ourselves in the love of God? May that be the invitation for us this week. At the end of our service, we'll have a sermon discussion time and a time for prayer online. And so feel free to click that link and connect with others in that space. As Pastor Helen mentioned as well, if you're looking to get connected in a small group uh, at 1 o'clock uh, or 1.30, you can see it on, on the, at the website there. There'll be an opportunity for you to uh, connect in that way. I want to also invite you, for some of you in this room or maybe you watching online, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've been maybe even throughout the course of this week, your heart's been restless. And you're saying, I, I want to receive the salvation. I want to receive the love of God. I want to receive a new lease on life. We want to serve you along those lines and we want to help you in your next step in your spiritual journey. And so you can very simply text the phrase, yes to Jesus, to the number on the screen here and the number on your screen, 718-424-0122. And one of our pastors would love to follow up with you to help you take the next step on your spiritual journey in life with God. I want to remind you that next week, uh, we are not going to have any kind of registrations. And so uh, it is come one, come all. And so hope to see many of you who are at home. Hope to see you next week at our 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service. And at our 11 o'clock service, we'll have full kids ministry and middle school ministry available as well. As we close our service, let me bless you. Let me open, invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. For those of you watching online, uh, open your hands wherever you're at. And hear these words of blessing over your life. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. And fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering. In the power of the Holy Spirit. Becoming wise as you receive correction. 
and also give it. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the compassionate name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you all in this room and to you online.